Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. I hope that you are breathing well, moving well. Maybe you journaled. Maybe you did a little meditation. Uh, opened up the hips a bit. Took in some fractals. Viewed a few vistas. Drank some water. Maybe you're dehydrated. Are you? Could you use a glass of water? Maybe a nap. Maybe a hug. Last night I took a bath. What, what, what do you need to ground yourself in this moment? I'm excited you're here. I want to start off today I, talking about Coco Chanel. Um, I just read her book. It's incredible. It's international bestseller by Justine Riccardi, and I say that because there's a, a number of books about Coco Chanel's life. If you don't know who she is, she's a famous fashion designer from the late 1800s. Uh, I forget, how, did, how long did she live? She lived from like 19-something-something, or 18-something-something to 19-something-something. Oh, 1883 in France. And then she died in 1971. So she's, she lived a, a long life, uh, spent a lot of that in her adulthood at the Ritz Petty. Uh, and if you don't know about the Coco Chanel brand, they're, they're a company. She died, so Coco Chanel died worth about $100 million. And she was born an orphan, okay? So she's born an orphan, parents died. Uh, had a sister, she ran away from home, raised by some aunts, ran away from aunts. And it was just out in the streets really since the age of 16. And went from having zero money and struggling to dying with about $100 million in the bank. And Coco Chanel, the brand, uh, is, or the Chanel brand, is still uh, thriving today. I think they made like $10 billion uh, in 2017. And so I'm bringing all this up, not to make this a financial podcast. This is not MSNBC. Uh, but I bring it up to because in her book, she talked so much about when she was a kid, how she wanted to die how she wanted to kill herself on numerous occasions. She said, I wanted to kill myself. And she said, at the time, often used to think about dying, the idea of causing a great fuss, of upsetting my aunts, of letting everyone know how wicked they were, fascinated me. I dreamt about setting fire to the barn. And a, a lot of this wanting to kill herself came because she felt unloved by the aunts, by the family who had abandoned her to the care of the nuns because she grew up in a nunnery, and by her absent father. And so this feeling of unloved, of abandonment, of, of anger, the anger towards the, the, the treatment by the aunts, she was like, I want to kill myself. I want to die. I want to be out of here. I don't know if you can hear the truck in the background. Uh, 
And it's important to note because a lot of times, and we've discussed this before on previous episodes, we we had an episode about chronic suicidality versus acute suicidality. And we talk about how, we talked about how uh, suicidal ideations, this thought of wanting to kill ourselves, is um, can be soothing, can be calming, can be relaxing for people, and is not necessarily a sign for us to act on it, as is evident by the thriving career of Coco Chanel. And not only was she able to to thrive career-wise, but she lived to 87, right? And so this idea that um, we have to get rid of our suicidal thoughts, um, it's not not necessarily the path to think. It's about creating a life that would make us want to stay, to make us want to live, to make us, uh, uh, that would excite us to be here and give us purpose and uh, a way to ground ourselves, right? Uh, And in the book, it talks about how she did not need to kill herself, yet she did need to kill something of herself in order to make an escape. I want to, I want to make paint that, I want to say that again. She didn't need to necessarily, she didn't need to kill herself, but she did need to kill something of herself in order to make her escape, her escape from her aunt's escape from boredom. She was constantly talking about how bored she was and how she felt unloved by her aunts. So there was a part of herself that she needed to kill so that she could move forward and thrive and live and want to be here. So a lot of times when we think about killing ourselves, really, if we got specific, we, would, we should be saying or could be saying, I want to kill a part of myself. And, but if we haven't done the work to figure out which, which part of ourselves we need to kill, then uh, we generalize it. I want to kill myself. It's like, do you want to kill yourself? Is there a part of yourself that you need to kill? Is there a part of yourself that we, we need to uh, extricate, right? Like uh, when I buy, sometimes when you buy beef or meat and things like that, it comes with a lot of fat. Some people like all the fat, but a lot of people cut the fat off. They don't throw the whole thing out. They cut off a part of the fat. They cut off a part of the chicken, a part of the, you know, when we get the fish, it has all those bones in there. So we don't throw the whole fish out because it has bones and eyes. We pull out the part that we don't want. We take the, sometimes people even take the skin off, which to me, the skin is the best part. What are you doing? That has all the nutrients in there. Now, depending on the fish and where it was, it could also have some lead poisoning. So I, I understand, but uh, I, I like the fish. I need the I need that I need that fat, and I like the taste. It holds 
the taste. So I want us to get specific and, and sit down with ourselves and be like, what's the part of me that I need to, to kill, to extricate, to, to kind of shed off like a, when a shake, uh, shake, a snake sheds, that's what happens. Uh, when a snake sheds, it's a part of them that's dying, that, that doesn't serve them anymore. And, and this could be an addiction, right? A, a food addiction, drug addiction, uh, porn addiction. It could, it could be uh, that part of you that isn't moving or working out or using your body the way you want to, and not, not necessarily a, a laziness addiction, but uh, and, and a, maybe it's the aversion to, to movement and exercise or yoga or walking, or maybe it's the part of you that's afraid to socialize and interact and, and, and engage with others or be vulnerable or be on stage. What's the part of you that we need to kill? that we need to cut off like the fat or pull out like bones and discard so that we can thrive, so that we can fly. What's weighing us down? And that takes work. And if that's a part where you're like, I don't know how to answer that question, that's why we go to a therapist. That's why we talk to a couch a couch coach. Uh, that's why we talk to friends. We, that's why we recruit others into our purpose, into our mission, into our struggle. That's why we go to group therapy, where at some point over time, we can uncover that. But at the same time, we start slowly moving towards the things that we are fascinated by, that we are curious about, that, that we do take the chance of going on a bit of an adventure, of of, uh, to explore the world around us, to explore our capabilities. Up to this point, we, we may have been doing things that other, living up to other people's expectations of us. You know, I have a, I have a, a mentee, and, you know, in our first few sessions together, we, we FaceTime, uh, he's in Indiana, and he noted how well-dressed I always am. And he's like, and then I found myself wanting to dress well. But I was like, oh, yeah, I always do dress well. And then the, the last meeting, I was like, you know what, I'm going to put a sweatshirt on. Just because uh, he needs to see me uh, at all stages in all different phases. And I don't want to paint this picture of that I'm only one way, that I only, I only dress in button-downs. It's like sometimes I'm wearing a T-shirt. Sometimes... I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Sometimes I'm running around here in my, in my skivvies. Uh, we're not going to FaceTime with me in my skivvies. But the point is, is sometimes we don't realize that we're operating based on other people's expectations of us. And maybe that's the part that we need to kill, to get rid of, to shed, to dissolve. Oh, I like that word, dissolve. And, uh, and it comes up for me because uh, Michelle and I just watched a phenomenal movie, Sound of Metal, on Amazon with Riz Ahmed. It's about a drummer who's losing his hearing, 
and he's fighting it. And he, 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 he's at, like, when the movie starts, I'm, I'm no, there's no, uh, no spoilers in this. But he's, he's fighting losing his hearing. And the, there's a scene where, or a point where he has to decide, like, is he going to give in to this deaf community or is he going to do anything he can to get his hearing back? And his mentor in the movie says, it's not about getting your hearing back. It's about adapting to uh, being a part, now being a part of the deaf community. And I love that because a lot of times we spend so much energy trying to get back things that we've lost, trying to get back the way things were. You know, even myself, like I'm, I'm still trying to get my body back to what I could do when I was 21. And I am not, <laughs> I have not accepted that, you know, I'm 45 and my knees are 45 and my back is, <laughs> is 45. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm like, you know, trying to do all these banded exercises and things to hold on when really it's about adapting to how my body moves and feels right now. And when, you, when we're able to adapt, we're able to find peace. You know, it's almost like, uh, people, it's almost like wearing shorts and flip-flops in the dead of winter. You know, it's like you're not adapting. Like outside is negative 37 degrees. There's 10 feet of snow on the ground. And you're like, no, but it should be winter or it should be summer. I don't like the winter. And then you go outside in uh, shorts and a tank top because you're, you're resisting what is instead of adapting to what is. And then what happens is now we got, the, we got a cold and now we have a flu and now we got pneumonia and then we have to take time off work and then we lose our job because we haven't been able to recover. And it just becomes a domino effect. And then you're walking around cranky. You can't even enjoy it. Even if you go outside and you try to fight the fact that it's winter outside and you're in your shorts and your T-shirts and et cetera, uh, you're not enjoying your life as, as you're walking around out there. It's hard. But if you had just put on a snow coat and you adapted and put on some boots and some the leggings, oh, I like putting on the leggings, and you put on the... Uh, the, uh, my, my, Michelle's laughing at me right now because I said leggings. Uh, that's how you know you've been at Lululemon for too long when you say things like leggings. I like my leggings. Uh, back when I was a kid, they were called uh, the un- underpants, some people called them, or uh, the I forget the other name for it. Uh, not underwear, but uh, the, the warm... Uh, uh, under maybe it was under anyway, but uh, but you know you put on all the different layers, your two pairs of socks and your gloves or the mittens. I don't. There's some people out there who still like mittens. I don't understand. Anyway, so you got all that on in your hat, and now now it's not that cold anymore, and now you don't have to like r- run from place to place. You can walk. You can enjoy the winter. You can make little snow angels. Maybe you build a snowman. Have a little snowball fight. Now, because you've adapted, right? Oh, such a great time. When was the last time you had a snowball fight? I know some of you listeners are in places where there is no snow. 
So uh, you've never had a snowball. Do, do people have uh, uh, sand fights? Like, can you can you make a a, a, a sand ball and toss that? I don't know. Um, but so it's all about adapting to what is, accepting what is, and figuring out how to adapt, and so that we can we can continue to move forward. And and uh, there's a and I know emotionally, it's not easy. It's not always easy. They're right now taking Spanish, and there's uh, two verbs that are giving me a lot of trouble, ser versus estar. And what I love, and they, they, mean, they both mean to be, right? So, like, I am, you are, we are, they are, uh, he is, that kind of thing. And estar is used for temporary situations like uh, uh, estoy es triste. So, like, I am tired, right? And tired is temporary because it's an emotion. And you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Spanish, learning Spanish is a reminder for me that my emotions are temporary, right? So if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling excited or happy or joyful or peaceful, it's temporary. Just as this noise in the background from like a C-7 helicopter and a truck going by and a motorcycle, all the things are happening at once. All those sounds are temporary. And so a lot of times, a lot of our pain, a lot of our angst, a lot of our frustration is trying to make things that are temporary permanent, right? Like we had a good day and then we go, oh, how do I keep having days like that? I hope I want every day to be like that day or we have a great workout. And so we try to mimic that workout and and replicate it over and over. That was a great workout. That felt great. So Surely if I just keep doing that, I'll get the same results. But as we know, we have to adapt. You know, what I was what you were eating when you were three months old versus what you can eat when you're in high school versus what you can eat when you're 90 years old, that's all gonna change. And if we don't adapt, we're gonna end up with stomach pains or aches or allergies or some adverse reaction to the food we're putting in our body. And so the temp, our emotions are temporary. That, that pain of adapting is temporary. And a lot of times we, we stay where we are because we, we are trying to avoid that discomfort of, of guilt, of shame, of uncertainty, right? Oh, I, I'm not sure. You know, right now things are, are good. They're not great. Uh, so I don't want to mess it up, but if you don't make moves, guess what? The situation is already is changing. Nothing stays the same. So e- either you're moving forward or, or you're moving backwards, but there's no such thing as staying in the same spot because um, it's all temporary, temporary. So if you haven't seen Sound of Music, definitely check it out. Um, there's also uh, 
it was about, there was a scene in there where the guy is, is, is a, uh, not meditating, but he learns that he just has to learn to be with himself. No matter what the situation is, it's like, can you sit still with yourself and see what happens? Because if you can't do that, all the external things, the accomplishments, what you get done, none of that matters. I have a friend who uh, um, it, it was talking about getting a facelift. She's in her 50s. Her friends are getting a facelift. And she's like, Leo, should I, should I get a, a facelift? And so we started talking through it, clicking through it. And then she says, you know, really, if I could just learn to love myself. What? Mind blown. She realizes it's not an external job. It's an internal job. That's what we need. She don't need a, a facelift. She needs an emotional lift. Uh-oh, write that down. Emotional. Uh-oh, I'm going to write that down. Not a facelift, but an emotional lift. Um. And when she said that, yeah, because here's the thing. You get a facelift. Once you start changing the kitchen cabinets, then everything has to get changed. You need a refrigerator, a new stove, new bottles. Everything has to go. Everything. Like, none of the, you, can't, you can't have a new neck with an old face or an old face with, with, with uh, new hands. Like, every, everything... Well, then after, and so it becomes a never ending process of, of trying to fix yourself instead of feel yourself. We're always trying to fix, but really it's about feeling. And once we learn to love ourselves, then it doesn't matter if uh, we have a droopy eye or saggy chin or uh, flabby arms, whatever that is. It's all about that emotional lift and just learning how to sit with ourselves. In that, in that movie, uh, Sound of Metal, he, the, the main character goes through an enormous amount of loss. Once again, these aren't spoilers. Um, and it's really, you really get to learn like how he manages loss. And it's not about getting the things back that he lost. It's about being able to sit with himself and adapt. So uh, I hope that this message resonated with you. Uh, it's a, it's a, a two-part message. One is uh, our emotions are temporary. Uh, so it's about learning how to sit with our emotions, whether that means journaling or writing um, or going for a walk. Salvatore Ambulando, it, it's all solved through walking. Um, and then the other part is, what's the part of ourselves that we need to kill? What's the part that we need to shed? What's the part that we need to let go? And if you need help with that, call the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK. Or uh, if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, Go to thrivewithleo.com. Let's get to tomorrow together.